We all have moments where we feel insecure. Without awareness, those moments of insecurity shape so much of our lives. Hi, I'm Chris McAllister, and I founded SightShift to help people like you and me, leaders and coaches, use the moments they feel insecure to transform their identity, their teams, and their culture. Listen in as I interview people around what it means to be the kind of leader who uses these moments to transform themselves. My friends, oh, I love it. I get to introduce you to people that I enjoy hanging out with. And special treat today, Owen Weiss in the house. Owen J. Weiss, glad to have you here, buddy. Rag on you in a minute, but just to let you introduce yourself. We, of course, at SightShift are obsessively focused on defining yourself by what you do. <laughs> Any insiders know that's the opposite, but just for some context, uh, yeah, just a little bit about your passion, the impact you seek to make at work, your role, and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah. Hi, everybody. I'm Owen. I've been working with Chris for a few years now. Uh, I am currently CFO of Miles McClellan. I shouldn't say it like that currently. I plan on being here for quite some time. But I've only recently been in the role for about three and a half months. Miles McClellan is a $80 million, 180 employee, uh, local general contracting construction company, as well as we've got a self-performing, uh, mason, heavy self-performing masonry. And I, like I said, taking on the role newly, this is a very strategic environment. A lot of focus on forecasts, which is a little new to me, but a place where I feel like I can uh, be especially impactful. My predecessor was here, has been here for 40 years, and I'm I'm learning a lot and also seeing a lot of opportunity in this role. At home, I have a wife and a five-year-old, all of which I'm sure will will get a six-year-old. Sorry, birthday was uh, last weekend. It six happens fast. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get into that during this uh, during this hour too. Right on, right on. Man, okay, so I, I not to embarrass you in a way of highlighting a skill. Something you just did that was so smooth and masterful, smooth like butter. You you were saying currently because yeah, you're new to the role there, so it made yeah. sense to to word it that way. But the way that you like gave the context and explained it, I mean, that's like that's like pro speaker stuff. So you guys don't know this, but but Owen has really worked on himself as that person who can show up and impact not only at the table, not only in the meeting, but in the larger space. So go you celebrating that. I that reminds me of something I want to bring up on this call too. Hopefully, I find the right space. All right, cool. I, do I, should I make a note, or if it's embarrassing, I want you to forget. <laughs> no, no, you should absolutely make a note. I'll I'll make a note. What he wanted to bring up. Boom. Uh, the only comment I was going to make was just this. You know, for me, it is it, it it's fun to see you engage heart and mind in the in the mission at work because you bring this blend that I've observed, I've commented on, on it uh, to you before, that's so rare, where we think a lot of times is like, in the CFO space, a rigidity of boxes, right? And we live in the spreadsheet. What I don't think folks in those roles get enough credit, especially, you know, where you're impacting things, it's, it requires so much abstract, conceptual, visionary, creative thinking that then you're able to put into concrete formulas I've just always admired the exceptional blend of both of those that you are, and then the way that you translate that into analyzing the visionary leadership of the organization that you're in. So 
what a what a fun thing for us to dive into. We're already nerding out, man. Let's, <laughs> let's do well, it. And I, I appreciate those comments. Oh, man, awesome. Well, so what I'd like to do is start off with just affirming the idea that as leaders, we're always in motion. There's always things we're, we're, we're becoming, we're getting better at, we're struggling with. Where right now do you feel like, and, and this could go personal or professional, wherever it yeah. goes for you or both, where do you feel like you're like, man, I've got some momentum here. Like, I, this is something that I'm winning in. I'm getting better at this continually. I think it goes back to a little bit of what we just talked about. I mean, this is, Miles McCollin is a new venture for me in life. And I'd say probably the scariest thing of, of starting in a new entity is, especially in a leadership role, is whether you're going to fit the culture and fit the team. Because without those fits, it's probably, let's be honest, it's probably not going to work. Where I get to answer your question, I feel like that couldn't be going better. There's a lot of improvement that you know, I can I can make personally and professionally, but the one that I think mattered most, assimilating into this team, going amazing. They've adopted me as one of their own. I've been told it's a cultural fit and going well, and it, it just, it feels like it fits. And, and amazingly, I would say that almost felt that way from day one. I found myself in a strategic planning meeting week for a startup we're working on and kind of have to gauge whether, you know, do you want to go in and be a voice in the room when you don't have the knowledge and will they allow you to do that? And they did. And I was, it was amazing to say the least. And it's only grown from there, from that being the first week to now being, you know, three and a half, well, I guess it's four, we just crossed into February, four months into this role. So it's, it's been awesome and, and it feels really good. I, I get up excited to, to come to work here every day. Oof, man. Uh, I hope everybody's feeling those good vibes and soaking up that positivity. That's awesome. What would you say to people listening, like what you looked for, how you interviewed them, what you were paying attention to for you to assess for that cultural fit that maybe they could learn from as they seek to do that same thing? Yeah, no, I mean, I'll answer that with a little bit of history too. Along this, Chris, I think you know pretty well, and I won't mention previous employers by name, or at least I'll try not to. Uh, I've been in the construction industry for now a little over seven years. I got my start as a controller moving into a CFO at a local specialty subcontractor. And it was an amazing opportunity to learn because, you know, they wanted a finance guy to step in when they'd never had one uh, that was able to process information at the level I was capable of. Mm -hmm. uh, and it wasn't a finance job. In the end, I, I really make it more of CAO, chief administrative officer, because I felt that that was, you know, that was taking on HR, IT, safety, security, risk. Uh, it was everything. And it was an amazing opportunity to learn. In the end though, because I could, they took advantage of it and I wasn't able to grow my team like I want. So I did find my way out of there. And I found something uh, in my last employer that I spent two years with that was more work-life balance, but absolutely lost the ability to be a strategic partner to leadership. They were in a flow, liked where they were. They didn't want to mess with it and just wanted to continue to operate the way they operated. And that wasn't for me. So between the two, I had seen really two extremes. Mm. And so I went out looking for something that had in what I would call an exception. And I won't say I was looking at this fell in my lap, but I knew it was pretty perfect early on. And through by that, I mean, I was looking for an evolved management team, not just a team that was focused on operations. 
uh, but a team that knew how to lead with structure, yeah. had a strategy. Uh, you know, at the time I thought, man, finding a construction company with a one-year goal, a one-year budget would be amazing. I step into an interview with Matt at, at Miles McClellan, CEO and president, and he's talking about the 10 and 30 year plans. And I'm like, oh, this is where I'm coming. I sure hope I win this job. And, you know, and then getting to sit down with the leadership as part, not just Matt, but other members of leadership during, during the interview process and feeling that they all had that mentality of eyes forward. It, it was an easy decision when, when the job was offered. Uh, it's, I also got to get away from working in a trailer and, uh, the wooden walls you've seen before. Uh, so, you know, a nice office to come to located in Cent yeah. really central Columbus was made it all, made it all perfect fit. Oh, dude. I, I love it. I mean, for folks listening, they're just like able to get a dream stoked, encouraged that these things do happen. You find that cultural fit, you find that role, you find e even the little things that really are big things because you spend so much time there, the office and, and how it makes you feel. Uh, that's awesome. And I love the way that you gave uh, this like gradient spectrum of the two experiences you had, because I think that's what was so critical for people that haven't had that variety of experiences that they can, without having to go through it, kind of, you know, play these extremes out in their head and and start to coordinate you know, and assess where they're at yeah. because you know this, right? How many people don't ever, or how many people step into those moments and don't have the audacity that they really should have to interview the person interviewing them, you know, not in a way that you're being a jerk, but you got to figure those things out. And I do, I do think that's changing though. You know, I think given the current employment market, and I believe that the younger generations are are better at that than what my parents probably were. I do think that's shifting and I think it's rightfully shifting. And I think it's also, it's, I would call it necessary to the degree. I think without asking the right questions and pressing the potential employer, both people need to be pressing in the interview to make sure that you're finding the right cultural fit. Uh, on both sides. We're not honest if we can't get into that. So that is some winning. I love that. And because we're leaders and we're aware and we're paying attention, we're always winning in every category of our lives. Now, we know that ain't true. Where right now would you say, like, this is something, Chris, I really want to grow and develop in personal, professional. Uh, I want to close a gap here. I want to get better. I hate to admit this, and, and this is when we'll get into the personal stuff, but it's with my daughter. There is no doubt that I pride myself on her making the decisions I would make if I were in her shoes. She's six. <laughs> you know, her priorities are in a completely different place, yet I want to believe that I've instilled in her, uh, you know, the ability to do better. And when I don't see that, it's easy to get frustrated. It's easy to find myself in a proving place yeah. where I'm taking her, what I perceive as failure out on her, even though in reality, she's not making bad decisions. She's just, she might be a little distracted here or there, or we'd like to have, we'd love for her to have a little more focus on school as opposed to, you know, the cartoons on the iPad, but I still, 
I, I perceive that as where have I failed to not have her wanting to do more of that stuff. And so that's, it's something I'm, and, and thanks to having been through your coaching series, it's very easy to recognize. Or I will admit, doesn't mean I'm any closer to fixing it yet. So maybe I'll say I took the first step. I, I'm not quite sure what the second step is at the moment. Yeah, that's honest. I, it's encouraging and honest, and I love I love it because the first step is awareness and recognizing it. Uh, any parent that has been through that phase or is in that phase now is going, yeah, man, I know, I know. And, you know, something that's super helpful for me, and I still forget it, but I come back to it a lot at, at the different stages because you're really interacting with them, with your consciousness now in its evolutions and and not really thinking about it like you just so articulately said, hey, she's six, you know? <laughs> um, but it's this, more than a child is a blank slate to be written on, they are to be studied, right? So it's kind of like, you know, I've got this movie in my head, it's not the movie in their head. As we talk about identity fears, as you know, there's something here and for me that isn't there for them. So how can I pay attention and study to to understand like what motivates them, what inspires them, what frustrates them? and and I still, I mean, at every level, it's like you got to learn it again uh, as they age and progress and react in different things. So I still have to to come back to this. But what you're articulating, I think, about this idea of awareness and recognizing it is huge because the more you notice it, the more your mind attunes to it, the more the behavior self-organizes. But the other thing, too, for me is like that's what you value, you know, and um, the power in that. The permission that I hope people get from that listening right now that they're like, leadership isn't just how we perform at work. It's our whole life. It's our whole life. It's every part. Uh, to be honest, I think over the last five years, I've noticed in me it's easier to be a leader at work than it is at home. I don't know if I've pinpointed quite why, but I definitely notice you know, my identity fears more at home than I do at the office. Uh, and I'm sure you could tell me why we'll get into that another time. Um, but yeah, it, it, you're, you're absolutely right. I had a moment, and this was before like Sight Shift came to be. Uh, so this would have been about 17 years ago, a couple of years right before it hit. But this was a part of the, like, the precipice, that the seedbed, if you will, that started developing it. Because I was like, why am I more patient at the office than at home? Like, and, and I can get all the reasons people would just give me you know, you're more comfortable with those relationships. Okay, well, why? Why would I be lazier in an approach at home than I would be at work? Not that it's negative always, but that for me was kind of some stuff that was showing up. How much, if we can really embrace this vision of life, everything is growing and developing and training me. And and I truly do mean this authentically. I do not mean it negatively. You know, my wife has trained me to be great at casting vision. Because I need to be able to state it again and again and again, differently, patiently, whatever, when, and in this is in the context of our marriage, not, I've coached plenty of women where they're kind of the vision cast and everybody's different. But in the context of our relationship, it is often that, you know, I'm kind of like bringing this vision and then she's bringing me awareness on the stuff that I'm totally clueless about, right? <laughs> you know, especially when they were little and I'm like, we're not going to behave that way, Okay. And, and my wife's like, oh, she's going to get sick tomorrow. She's getting sick. That's why she's acting that way, you know? And then the next day she had a fever. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, okay. You're on another level. Super, I mean, super you make, powerful. You make me want to go home and really put 
down on paper what my wife and I's roles are in the relationship because yeah. uh, I can't do what you just did at this at that moment. So that uh, that'll that's an interesting to do for me. There you go. There you go. We're we're ever advancing. So we're this composite picture of of all things at all times. We're growing in things. We're learning. We're winning. We're struggling through stuff. Uh, but in the midst of it all, as we learn to relate to ourselves better, we really learn to appreciate who we are. This is one of my favorite questions to ask people. I love hearing this. What does Owen like about himself the most? What do you enjoy the most about being you? I've found over the years that um, I succeed when we, when I'm in, not to your level, but when I'm in that visionary strategic leadership role, I'm not, and I think I succeed because I enjoy it so much and it's just been a great place for me and I, I just think that it's it's my ability around that as to where I'm currently winning, I guess. Yeah, I love it. That's so cool. I think if we can own and possess more of what we're great at, you know, we don't we don't have to try to do well of the things we're never going to be world class at. And it's funny because yesterday I was talking with a one of our team, and you know, there was something that I did okay on. You know, I didn't do great. I was like, yeah, I felt like I was kind of amateurish here and I could get better. And then I watched that teammate do it and they did it. And it's their zone of genius. It's their role in the organization. I was like, man, the dumb thing is that I ever did it. I should have never like tried to step into that moment, that role, that task. That's, that's where you're amazing. And I just happened to have a moment a little bit after that. That is my zone of genius. And I even had something like stressful, frustrating happen before. Didn't even phase me. It was just like, yeah. And and then I was able to, to be in that spot. So I, I love that great awareness on your part. And this is a question that I think is important because of your awareness of the role you're in and kind of where you are generationally, what for you is something that you think younger leaders right now need to be encouraged on? Like it's something they could lose heart uh, on. And if they could just receive some encouragement to help them learn it, stay with the course, build the skill, get the mindset, whatever, wherever your mind goes. That's a great question. I think that it is, I guess I'll go back to something, what I was just talking about being good at. You know, I don't consider myself all that creative, but yet revision and strategy, I guess, to a level require it. It doesn't come naturally for everybody, but I would keep in mind, you know, some of the greatest ideas don't come immediately. You know, they take studying and, you know, an expertise level to be able to bring that, bring something forward with confidence and for the acceptance of others. So I think that it's important to be able to, especially for growth of career and, and maybe even home life that you want to be strategic, visionary, but that it's not automatic and that you may have to work at it and also gain a certain level of knowledge before you can be good at it. And I would encourage people to keep that in mind, but to continue to look for it, look for those opportunities. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. You got to get those at bats. You got to be willing to to look silly and and mess up. And you know, I have this experience sometimes where speaking at a conference, you know, people come up and they'll be like, "I want to do what you're doing." And I'm like, you can, you know, you got to know I have failed in front of rooms and audiences so many times. And I've spoken to a room of three 
like it's 2000, you know, and I've practiced in my car hundreds of times, thousands of times probably, and, and they've been with audiences hundreds and hundreds of times, probably thousands, and just like stacking, 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 stacking. You keep on turning up that insight and then you still keep doing it again. I mean, yeah. last week I actually was studying some stuff on strategy. So for me, strategy is one of my top five in the strengths finder. And I, you know, I've had other assessments done that show strategy is a part of how I offer value and, and build value. But yet this learning occurred for me going through this resource where I was like, oh my gosh, Owen, I know now how to look at past strategic decisions and, and to close the gap on the ones that went wrong and why they went wrong, what they were missing. I was so fired up about it. I was like to our team, hey, I got the next book we're going to read. It's on strategy, you know, because I get so excited about those learnings. But yeah, for the people that are out there listening, it's like, that's the idea. You got to be in motion on that. And mm -hmm. what keeps so many people from doing that, as you know, is the insecurity they're going to feel. They're going to put themselves out there and it's not going to go well. And then, oh my gosh, this defines me. What would you say to people that are in that spot? They're like held back by this idea that, you know, this is going to ruin everything for me to mess up. That's a great, because I was just, as you were talking about that, you know, I was also thinking about the places that I still struggle to be visionary and strategic for, I'll call, I'll say fear of the unknown, fear of being in a new group of people I don't know. That's awesome. So I think the affirmation there then is you still feel that too. Oh yeah. It's normal to still feel that. What do you do for yourself when that feeling shows up? You run away from it, right? No. No. You do what? I think I give it time and press forward. And so I think about some of the board responsibilities that I've had where you're in a room full of brand new people that are relatively accomplished in their careers. And you don't have those relationships yet. You don't have that background knowledge. I, I, I remain persistent. I work towards forming those relationships, getting that background as quickly as possible so that I don't have that fear of contributing, I guess, uh, for Latin, there are no stupid ideas, but, you know, presenting what is a stupid idea because of the lack of knowledge, uh, you know, so that's, I think just stay vigilant, stay, stay at it and, and find your way to a comfort level that let, allows you to be the contributor you want to be. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. You got to have that like North star vision. I, you know, I want to get there. I want to see this happen and I'm willing to pay this price. I'm willing to go through these moments. Like for those listening, cause we talked about it. I can remember early on when I would speak in front of a larger room. And at this point I'm, I'm talking about maybe like 800 people. And dude, I had to have a sport coat on because my shirt was wet. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, those nerves were on fire, on fire. I still, I still get there. I mean, you know, I came to you, the original request was, I have a profound fear of public speaking. I wouldn't, I shouldn't call it a profound fear. I just hated it. And, and much like what you were experiencing when you first started, I still go through today and I haven't done near the amount of public speaking you had, but it is changing. And going back to, I said, working at, you know, I, for fun, wow, I think 11 years ago now, I shouldn't say for fun to challenge myself at the request of a friend who was looking for 
a minister because they didn't want to pay their church for them. I volunteered to do my first wedding and get ordained and do my first wedding. Yeah. And I, I looked at that as a favor to a friend, but also as an opportunity to challenge myself, as I just mentioned. And going back to that remaining persistent, I think I did my eighth and most successful uh, this past summer. Uh, it was the longest I've done. You know, I took cues from your guidance on public speaking and Thankfully, it was a wonderful event in the 90s where I didn't sweat through a sport coat somehow, uh, <laughs> thanks to the dry, thanks to the dry air of Washington, most likely. But yeah, it, it, and, but it took continuing to challenge myself and, and push through that fear to ever get to a, a comfort level of doing that. And I wouldn't call it comfortable. I, you know, there's some funny mic'd up moments at the end where you hear me just, you know, really take that yeah. big breath of. Thankfully, this is over, uh, but but it went amazing, and everybody was thankful that I did it. So, uh, like I said, keep pushing, and and uh, you will achieve your goals. That's awesome, man. I mean, for people that you know aren't aware, it's like the articulate nature with which you're speaking and coming across. I mean, it's who you are, but you've worked at it to do it in these kind of instances and speaking, and and man, now you got like a side hustle of being a wedding officiant. So. Nobody's like, paid hey. me yet. <laughs> okay, so we'll, we'll talk about that off air. Yeah. Um, <laughs> dude, that's so fun. Go you, go you. Well, you mentioned us doing the work together that really, you know, which happens to us all the time. People come and they want like some specific skill, up-level their executive leadership team, work on speaking, whatever. And we go, okay, cool, we're going to do that. But first we're going to go through this mindset transformation. And you went through that. And as you think back on that work, what for you lingers the most? What stuck the most? What do you find yourself going back to the most? I would say three things and probably two of them we talked about already, yeah. but I will re I'll reiterate them here. Proving and hiding at home. It's so easy to see. It's so much easier to catch myself doing it and you know, to apologize for it or continue to work on it. But you know, recognizing it is huge. And then as I mentioned, the mind set transformation that allows me to get up and public speak because there is that moment walking down the aisle for me now where I revisit some of the things I learned while we were going through coaching that brings a calmness and allows me to just push those fears out the back of that of the mind and and more up move into that we're here, let's get this done mentality, uh, you know, and get it done well. And then you know, third is, <laughs> third, I don't know if it's an accomplishment, but at least some, my biggest fear when I took your coaching class, which we can get into how that's changed recently um, after taking some new testing, was poor performance. I think as you phrased it to me once, and I can't remember if it's in the book or not, but you know, I wake up with a score of negative one to zero. One way I found to help me with that and get to a much more comfortable place in life on a daily basis is start in the morning with a workout. I mean, my alarm clock most days goes off at 4.30. It's get up, work out, then get ready and go to work. And that drive into work is so much more calming because in my mind, something, something major has been accomplished already that day. And so that's really helps me quite a bit. Those are the three things that I find 
I relive the most from our work together. Yeah, man, that's so cool. You put in the work, you did the work, and that's the fruit of the work. And so celebrating you and your effort on that. And this is something that might, yeah, we could be succinct on this, but I think it might be helpful to people listening because you're in a unique advantage of someone who went through our core program a number of years ago and then yesterday actually in a meeting talking with the organization saw the bigger picture of what we've been doing the last number of years with companies and, and the journey we take people on or their organization on. Be curious to hear what stands out to you like from those meetings that has been like, okay, wow, this is more than transforming an individual or just a team. Uh, you know, I think how, and you correct me in, in my perception if, if necessary. Sure. I think where we work together, it was very much a top-down approach is how I would have described it. You know, if you weren't, I probably would have advised somebody that if Chris wasn't working with the CEO, I don't know if this is going to work. You know, it's, it's got to trickle down through the organization. I think the biggest thing that I've noticed in our last two meetings is it, it feels to me as if that has transformed, that you've really built a, although I still think that's an important aspect, you have built a program that is inclusive of an organization, potentially at any and every level. And at, obviously at a level that we, at levels, levels we want to build our program that's what i've noticed the most yeah man that's awesome that perception matches reality right because you look at how like the modern organization and what's developed and how yes you do need that top-down transformation but we want to include everyone somehow some way everybody especially like we've been talking about younger people coming in they're like i want some of that like i'm not here just to put 30 or 40 years in and get the retirement party and be cool with that, I want to grow. I want to be transformed. I want to be made better. And it's a powerful movement that's happening. And I love that that came through. When we think about like the current leadership environment, I know we talked about younger leaders earlier, really want to zoom out and think about leaders as a whole now. We live in this age where there's just, we're connected to the crises of the world at all times and how impossible it is to live that way, how exhausting it is. The news cycle, markets up and down, tech layoffs, rapid change. It's a lot. It's a lot. If you're giving a message to leaders, a thought, anything that you're drawn to, to encourage them, what would be that message? I think maybe maybe it's the way you framed that, but, and I probably, and maybe without, but it's focus on what you can control. You know, if, if we're dwelling on everything going on around us daily that we can't control, as you said, in the news cycle, I think that's going to affect how you carry yourself, how you present yourself, how you lead, obviously. Whereas, you know, a focus on what you can control, a focus on what you can drive, a focus on improving what you have in front of you is paramount and will make you a more effective leader than dwelling on what's going on around you that you or your teams um, don't have an Im- can't have an impact on for, for the most part. That's awesome. Yeah, I, it might be the way I framed it, but I totally see this progression or evolution where once your heart gets consumed with a vision and a mission that's in alignment with who you are, 
it crowds out, right? Yeah. Trying to keep up with everything and stay focused on everything because you just know you can't. And then I think the next stage after that is you make peace with all that you can't do, all that you can't be, and you start to get into these higher leverage activities, you know, where you're going to make that impact. So, yeah, I love that. I love that because I think we can see the trend lines on mental health and anxiety and all the struggles that are just like, yep. you know, hockey stick. Because we're, I mean, when before in human history, not to be too crass here, but wake up in the morning in the bathroom and, you know, you're like, oh my gosh, here's what all is going on in the world is wrong right now. And now I know all that. And it's so easy then to lose our way. And before we know it, we're tired, we're reacting, we're in this place. So you get your workout, you come into the office. What for you is what you, you know, take us through just those first few moments when you're coming in the office that help you get focused and keep you from losing your way. On a good day. <laughs> yeah. And we have, we all have the other days. <laughs> On a good day, I, I'm an early bird. So it's the early morning workout. I still try to be in the office by seven every morning. And surprisingly for construction company, this one gives me this ability for the most part, not much is going on around here between seven and eight, at least at an administrative level. I, for better or for worse, I spend that first hour typically sifting through high level news, uh, you know, just making sure that I'm aware of what's going on around me, whether I can impact it or not. And uh, I think that that really kind of, between the workout, the drive in to focus, I am not your work from home person. That's not in my wheelhouse. I'm easily distracted. I like, I do my work at the office. I do home life at home. Uh, and that's me. If I offered, it was somebody offered me a work from home job or a fully flexible schedule, I still wouldn't take it. I'd still be at the office every morning at seven. Uh, which might seem uh, odd for someone my age, I guess, because most of the people that I'm friends with are taking every opportunity to get away from that. But that chance to take a drive in and focus on what lies ahead of me for the next eight or nine hours, gobble up that little bit of news and a few trusted sources that I use in the morning, just kind of that sets. And from there, it's right into what's the first priority work task of the day. And then by that time, people are filtering into the building and it's go time. Right on. Do the first thing first. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's right. Yes, yes. Well, you told me to remind you to bring something up. And I did. I did. I, I, I will tell you. And I, but I want to link it back to something else I thought of too. I brought up the uh, wedding storage from this year, and and it is something. You know, most of them had been rehearsed speeches that, uh, that you know to gain that comfort level and and smaller groups. But this was a hundred plus for me for the event. Yeah. that attended and. You know, it was, I would like to say, well-written. Uh -huh. And I will also link that back, too. I know that I said earlier one of the major things I'd taken from your coaching, that ability to public speak was an important one. And probably the thing I failed to mention there is, too, that ability to start to do some public speaking and feel confidence in it, those things are happening infrequently. But where I do notice it much more on a regular, if not daily basis, is the ability to take that moment I said about walking down the aisle earlier and push your fears out and just get it done. I would say I do that ahead of major meetings now or meetings where I'm going to be presenting an idea to the company. So it, it's not just 
a hundred people that I don't know I'm talking to. It even manifests itself more importantly in what I call the boardroom setting. And so I just, I wanted to, I wanted to pull back on that. But yeah, what I did want to mention when I brought up the start of the call was about, you know, progressing to the point of getting up on stage and presiding over a wedding this year. Man, I love it. Dude, it's so cool. And I love how you said, hey, this applies to the boardroom also, because I know for a fact that people think you can take the most composed, articulate, confident leader with the most amount of responsibility you could imagine and think, well, yeah, they never get nervous, you know. And, you know, to be frank, there are times still in the coaching that I'm like, well, obviously they're coming to get better. We're going to help them get better, but there probably not much insecurity there. And I mean, even people that are like in the news interviewed that we've worked with that are Fortune 100, whatevers, and like, man, dude, I just, I'm in the boardroom now and I don't feel like I got to prove something. I just lead. I love how you said it. Get it done and get it done well. Yeah. Because if I'm trying to prove or hide, I'm not getting it done well. I'm trying to impress people more than impact them. And yeah, I think everybody can be encouraged with this idea that whether they're aware or not, we're all working through the next level of our insecurities, even if we're aware and learning. Actually, there are plenty of people that aren't aware and learning. <laughs> uh, and I those are, yeah, I, in my career, it's funny you bring those up. No, I would, I would tell you those are the hardest people I've found to work with too. You know, if they're not self-aware, no desire to learn, it's very difficult it's been difficult for me, right or wrong, and I, this may not be the greatest thing. It's been difficult for them, for me to have them as teammates because I don't know how to lead them. So I've always wanted to instill in them that they don't naturally recognize it, a desire to learn and grow. Otherwise, it, it's hard for me to be impactful, I guess I'll say. Yeah, and we can't make them want to grow, you know? And if, for those listening, if you're spending any time or effort or energy trying to change someone, it's going to go well. Keep doing it. It'll, it'll work. <laughs> for the first time in the course of human history, another human being will change another human <laughs> being. Yeah, you, we, we know where that ends. So that's awesome. Well, I feel like we've like captured this picture of what it means to be a growing leader, the specific ways you're applying that, uh, even getting into some tactics. Is there anything else? you'd want to share with people before we go and also think if you want to give them a way to connect to you uh, and and maybe if something came up in today's episode, they'd want to chat with you about where they should go. So both of those. I will admit we've covered all the notes I took ahead of time. So uh, oh, cool. we're great. You asked the perfect question. <laughs> uh, connecting with me, uh, you can find everything you need to know about me at uh, mmbuildings.com. That's Mike, MikeBuildings.com, Miles McClellan, obviously. Yeah. But, um, and my phone number, email address are there. Absolutely reach out if you have any questions or there's anything I could answer. And I don't want to say give advice on it. That's not my professional ability. Uh, that's Chris. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Generous. That's awesome uh, to offer that for folks. Because, yeah, what I love is you never know the things that come up in an episode, even things that I'm like, oh man, that was a cool moment. Owen said that, that was so helpful. And then we might get a random message about, you know, something that was a little more buried that just helped someone so much. So I'll make sure 
to pass those on but then yeah people have a way to connect so thank you for being here being so gracious with your time and impacting some leaders today buddy chris thank you for having me thanks so much for being here you know that self-leadership is difficult. And as you listened, if you found within yourself a desire for more awareness for yourself, your team, or your culture, or the people that you would guide as a coach, you can find more at SightShift.com, S-I-G-H-T-Shift.com to take the next step.